boomy, boomy, boom part. All right, very good. Welcome. Good morning, Rimrock. Excellent. Good. Very good. Nice to see you guys today. Uh, I didn't mention this until the very end, but today's a family worship day, which means we've got uh, first graders through high school kids in with us today. Uh, really, really fun. I'm so glad you guys are here today. In fact, if you're a kid in, uh, in this room this morning, would you raise your hand way up high so I can see it? Way, way up high. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Very good. I like it. Very good. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you guys are here today. And uh, the things that we're talking about today, there's a part for you, uh, kids. So don't don't nap. You got to listen because there's stuff for you in our uh, in our message today. So I'm excited that you're here, guys. We're in the middle of this series called Why Church, and uh, really it's uh, several weeks where we're going to be looking at. Um, uh, the discipleship strategy for Rimrock Church, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, Pastor Ben and a group of um, and a, a group of other people have been thinking about this, praying about it, working on it for uh, uh, well over a year. And now Pastor Ben calls 2020 the year of implementation. Right? So we are we're we're putting it into practice, and the first step in that is kind of to communicate. Uh, how are we going to look at and how are we actually going to, to practice discipleship uh, at Rimrock Church? And I'm really excited about that. I don't know about you guys, but there are things that are important. But if I don't have a plan, I don't have a strategy, I don't know how to do it. It's like, yeah, that's really important. I don't know how to do that. So then I go off and do something else. You know what I mean? So we're just, this is the first step and all year we're going to be learning and uh, introducing some um, some neat tools and resources to be able to uh, be intentional at discipleship. And so uh, the last couple of weeks, Ben has talked about the center of the bullseye, the, in, the inner circle of, the, uh, of this plan, uh, of this strategy. And that inner circle, the, the bullseye, is the relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And that each one of us individually, that's where it begins, is our personal, intimate relationship with God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's where the, it goes. We're going to talk about lots of things through the course of this series and as we go through this year, but none of those have the impact that they can have unless they flow out of that central, core relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The second circle, which is what, I'm, what we're talking about today, that the next ring around that, are our close, close relationships. So that includes our, our spouse and our kids. Discipleship starts at home. But it also includes kind of what I call, uh, you know, Jesus had 12 disciples, and he spent three years traveling with them and teaching them. But even out of that 12, Jesus had three. He had a Peter, James, and John. And those were guys that he took, and he did, he did different things with, special things with. They were his closest uh, relationships on earth, Peter, James, and John. So in that second ring... It's our spouse, it's our kids, but it can also be our Peter, James, and John. Those close relationships that we have 
that are outside of our family. So the message today, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about family discipleship and how can we pass and plant seeds of faith in the lives of our kids. But if you don't have kids or you don't have a spouse at home, it does not give you a pass to go clean up the donuts downstairs or doze off and take a nap, okay? Because the principles that we're talking about apply in those really close relationships that you have. Your Peter, James, and John relationships, they apply. So dial in, uh, listen, take some notes, uh, because when you leave today, um, the, this, this whole series is about implementation. Let's, let's, put, let's put it into action. It's not just theory, but let's be practical, okay? All right, so that's where we're going today. If you've got your Bibles, open them to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4. We're going to start in verse, I mean, Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 4. And this is a piece of scripture that uh, the, the Jewish culture refers to as the Shema, okay? Uh, and it's, they memorize it and they say it regularly. It's a great uh, prayer. It's a great reminder for them about who God is and what God has called his people to do. And so it starts in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Here's how it starts. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God... The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, as we begin to talk about family discipleship, how do we pass faith to our kids? How do we plant seeds of faith in the lives of our kids? How do we develop that uh, discipleship kind of relationship with our spouse? It starts here, and the first suggestion that I have to you is to love God with all you've got. Love God with all you've got. And we see that in verses 4 and 5 here. It starts with the word hear. In Hebrew, that's the word shama. That's where they get the name for the prayer, right? And the word shama means to hear, not just with our physical ears, but also the idea of listen but not just listen, it also carries with it the implication or the assumption of responding, of obeying, of acting. In fact, I learned this week that there's not a Hebrew, there's not a separate Hebrew word for obey. It's this same word, shama. So it's listen and obey, listen and respond, listen and act. And here's how it starts. Hear, O Israel, listen, respond, obey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We got to start with who are we responding to. And then look what it says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. When the Bible uses the word heart, it's really talking about the core of who we are. It's not talking about the organ in our chest. It's talking about the core of who we are, the centralness of our being. So really, this verse could have just said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and it would have summed the whole thing up, everything you got, that the central part of who you are. When the Bible says heart, it really means the core of who we are as a person. But then they go on 
and they define it just a little more. They expand it a little more. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, but then with all your soul. Your soul is that eternal part of us. It's the part that's going to live on when this body dies. It's the part that gets to go to heaven, right? It's the part that's going to live on eternally. It includes our personality and includes our talents. When God breathed life into us, it wasn't just life in the body, but he breathed him his own image into us, and that is that resides in the soul, and that part's eternal. So love God with all your heart, with all your soul, everything that's going to last forever. Love God with that. But then he also says, love God with all your strength, our physical bodies. Now you know, and I'm experiencing, like bodies break down, right? And they get old. But listen, while we got them, we're going to put them to work loving God. Right? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. I'm going to make a comment here. I'm going to make a statement. I'm not sure that you're going to agree with me, but it's all right. You'll come around. Here it is. I believe that we are primarily feeling and loving beings. We are primarily feeling and loving beings. Here's what I mean by that. While, while we are able to think and to rationalize, it's the things that we love that drive us. It's the things that we, it's the things that we're passionate about. It's the things that we desire most that we pursue. And look at what God says, love me. Love me. Um, some of you guys know, not all of you know, but some of you know that for about the last um, nine months, we, my family and I have lived in close proximity to um, Bob and Betty Barkley. And by close proximity, I mean we spent seven months living in their driveway in a very nice camper, but it was still in a driveway. Um, and they were very, very gracious, and they let us come into the house um, as often as we want. And it was, it was great, but we slept in the camper. Uh, it was really good. And then the last two months, we renegotiated the contract, and we've moved into the basement now. And um, it's really cool. Like, I, I have more—I'll just be honest with you— I have a little more sympathy for the 26-year-old who wants to come home because living in the basement with Bob and Betty, oh, dude, life is sweet. <laughs> like, you know what? Like, like, there are some days that we get up and food's made, like, magically. It's, like, so cool. You know what I mean? Now, some of you guys are going, why have you been living in a parking lot and a basement for nine well we're building a house and we sold the house for our other house first and we did it out of order and they're very very gracious but anyway so over nine months we've gotten to know Bob and Betty much better and we've learned a few things about Bob and Betty and they are super super sweet people and that we already knew but the part that we didn't know is that they absolutely love basketball like I did not know that like just meeting them in passing they don't do the whole face paint thing, so you just may not know. 
that they absolutely love basketball, right? And especially uh, the Spurs. And so anytime that they're on TV, we're watching. But here's what, I, here's what I love. And I did not know this before we moved in. But here's what I love is that Betty gets score updates for the Spurs on her phone. And it's great. And I say this in, in, in all lovingness. Like, I'm not making fun. It is so super cute that Betty will get her phone out and she will say, oh, oh, oh. Oh, the Spurs are up by three. They're not supposed to beat these guys. They're ahead. And I, I love it. And she announces the score as it, I don't know how often it updates, but it's often. And she'll share the scores with the room. And it's really, really cool. And here's why I bring it up. Bob and Betty love basketball. So they watch basketball. I don't care about basketball. I, don't, I couldn't name most of the teams. But I've watched more basketball in the last nine months than I have in my whole life. Not because I love basketball, but because I love Bob and Betty. And so I watch basketball with Bob and Betty. Last night we're watching a game. I couldn't even tell you what two teams were playing. I can tell you one of the teams, but that wasn't the team I was yelling at because I was rooting for the other team and I don't even know what team it was. But I'm, I, but I'm yelling at the television and I'm saying, learn to... Do a free throw. You guys, if you don't make the basket, you're not going to win. I don't even care about basketball. But I love Bob and Betty. And because I love Bob and Betty, I'm going to watch basketball. Because I want to be, but they love basketball. So they watch it. What we love, we pursue. What we love, we invest in. And God says, love me. Love me. With everything you've got, love me. And honestly, it's where it starts. But I have to ask myself the question. As I'm, you know, here's a little secret. And just quickly, here's a little secret. The guys that stand up here that preach... Do you realize it may be uncomfortable for you, it may be boring for you, it may be whatever it is for you. It may be for you. Do you realize that we get to live with this for about a week, a week and a half, two weeks? Do you realize that when we put together, when we're writing a message, we are, we are having this conversation with God and God is doing this. So as uncomfortable as it is for you, you guys get it for 35, 40, 45 minutes, depending on how long-winded I am. I get it for a week. And as I'm doing this, here's the question that comes to my mind. How do I become more loving? How do I do that? Very rarely do I approach sermon preparation thinking about you guys, to be really honest with you. I'm asking myself, how the heck do I do that? And as God begins to reveal some things to me, then I write them down and I share them with you. And I'll trust that the Holy Spirit is going to make some things stick for you or he's going to bring to mind some other applications for you because God's really cool like that and he does that. So I ask myself the question, how can I grow in my love? And there were two things that came to, to mind today, or this week as I was prepping. There are two. Here's the very first one, and I think probably the most important one. Here's the first one. 
that the Holy Spirit is going to enable that in us. So we need to ask him. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's Holy Spirit, we have a relationship with him. If we have a relationship with God, his Holy Spirit lives in us, and it's through his Holy Spirit. He's going to produce the love. And all we need to do is just ask him, God, please, I cannot love based on my, my willpower. I'm going to fail at that over and over and over again. Would you love through me? That's the first suggestion. How can we grow in this love? First of all, ask the Holy Spirit because he enables it in us. So ask him. Here's the second thing. Is <clears throat> I was listening to a sermon by a guy named Matt Chandler, and he made this uh, comment, honestly, really, really good. It really spoke to me, so I'm going to share it with you guys. Here was the quote that he said. He says, what the Christian does is give themselves over to the filling of their lives with the things that stir their affections for Jesus. It's a lot of words. Let me repeat it. Listen now. What the Christian does is gives themselves over to the filling of their lives with things that stir their affection for Jesus. I can give you some practical ideas here. And there are a couple, the first two, that you're, you're going to say, okay, yeah, we, we know those are coming, right? What do you think's coming? It's church. Kids get by, they give church answers. What do you think the first two are? Read the Bible and pray, okay? Now, they're good answers. They're, they're good answers. But I, I think there are other things in addition that can stir our affections towards Jesus. These are the things that we want to fill our lives with. This is not a point in the sermon where I talk about you're too busy, your calendar's chucked full. All that may be true. This isn't about, you know, do less. That's not this. This is be intentional to add into your life, into your daily routines, into your life, things that stir your affection towards Jesus. Don't you love that? I love that phrase. Stir my affection for Jesus. So yes, read the Bible. It's good. We're involved in God's word. He's speaking to our souls. He's, he's communicating to us. He's, all that's good. Prayer, yes. Conversation with God, yes. Not my agenda, but your agenda, yes. Prayer is good. But there are some other things that can stir our affections towards Jesus. How many of you guys like to walk, hike, be in this beautiful setting that God's allowed us to live in? Anybody? Yes. And you know what? For some of us, when we're in nature and we're walking, it stirs our affection. It draws our attention to how awesome God is. And if it does that for you, then go take a hike. I, I don't... I do like being up here. It is kind of fun. If that, if that stirs your affection to, for Jesus, then go be in, in nature. For some of you, 
Maybe it's a really good book. One of the takeaways, one of the things that I I really, honestly, I am praying and I'm asking God, please, please, please make this stick. That out of the time that we've spent with Bob and Betty and watching their routines at home, one of the things I absolutely love is that they begin their mornings just reading, just being quiet. The house is silent. It is so awesome. And it's just quiet and we just read. And I've kind of gotten sucked into that. Like I look forward to that. And I get up and the house is quiet. And I just come in and I just read. And it's so good. But that's one of the things that I've learned from Bob is he loves to read Max Lucado. And he loves that because it stirs his affection for Jesus. So if it's books for you, then read. How about music? For some of us, we hear a great song and and our, our attention is drawn to the Father and we just worship as we're listening to the music. If it's that for you, then, then sing. Dance. Yes, thank you. Dance. What is it that stirs your affection for Jesus? Add more of that into your life. Do that. For some of us, it's those beautiful, sweet friendships and relationships that we have. And when we're around that person, man, we we leave grateful and thankful for God putting that person in our life. And if it's that, then spend time with those people. What stirs your affection towards Jesus? That's one of the ways that we can grow in our love. We fill our hearts, fill our lives with things that stir our affections for Jesus. Here's the second thing. If we look at verse 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6, this says, These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So the book of Deuteronomy is really a retelling of the law. Moses had brought the law to the people uh, in Exodus chapter 20 at the foot of Mount Sinai. Now it's been several years, and, and Moses is re. Uh, reintroducing the law. He's reviewing the law uh, as the people are getting ready to go into uh, the promised land. And so he's reviewing the law. And Moses starts that whole thing by saying, these commands, God's word, the law that I'm going to repeat to you, they need to be on your hearts first. He's talking to adults. It needs to be on your hearts first. Moses is saying, if God's word, if God's law is just a bunch of words, If it doesn't impact this, you'll never be able to finish what's coming in verses 7, 8, and 9. It's got to start here. And so the second suggestion to you is that as we talk about discipleship in our homes, is that it starts in the heart. It starts with our hearts. God has given us the laboratory of the family to practice and exercise and live out love. A few weeks ago, I watched this documentary. It was an E60 program off of ESPN, and it was about the world's strongest man. Some of you guys might be familiar with that. It's a, it's a competition where um, these ginormous human beings lift very heavy things and put them in other places, and it's incredible what they can do. But the, the documentary was about one man in, in, uh, in particular. His name is uh, Halfor Bjornsson, he comes from Iceland. I've got a picture we're going to put up. Um, and this guy is, um, he's massive. His, 
His nickname is The Mountain, and I, I totally get where it comes from. He's six feet nine inches tall, weighs 440 pounds, is ginormous. Um, and he spends hours every day in the gym uh, working out. He, eats, he has to eat about every two hours, and he eats about 10,000 calories a day just to fuel the, the, the muscle uh, building that he's engaged in. It's, it, it's insane. But in the documentary, I will say, is really seems to be a, a very nice, very um, kind of gentle, really kind of a tender guy. It was really, really neat to hear his story. But here's what I got to thinking about as I was thinking about love and loving and how do I develop love, then I'm thinking about this documentary that I watched, and then there was another term that came to mind. So we got kind of Jim Strong, right? He's in the gym a lot. But then this other term came to mind. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of this term, even if you don't know what it means, if you've heard it. Anybody ever heard of Farm Strong? Anybody ever heard that phrase? Raise your hand. Now, last time I had three people, so I had to explain the whole thing. Anybody? Okay, a couple of you have heard of Farmstrong. It's okay. If you don't know what it means, that's all right. I'm going to explain it anyway. But the idea of Farmstrong, right, is these are guys or people, people, men and women, who are just strong because they work, right? They're throwing stuff. They're fixing stuff. They're wrestling cows. They're, they're doing whatever they're doing. But they're working. They're doing their job. And you may not look like, dude, if I saw... Mr. Bjornsson walking down the street, I'd be like, dude, that guy's strong. But farm strong, you wouldn't necessarily look at him and go, dude, that guy's strong, until you shook his hand. And it'd be like, ah, dude, really? Like just crushing, you know what I mean? Like, it's farm strong. And it's different. He has a workout regimen. Like, I actually, you, I, didn't, I didn't read it because it was going to be depressing to me. But... But you can actually Google what his workout routine is. But it's X number of reps, this weight, it's, it's the whole thing. Like, you can get his plan. It's crazy. I'm pretty sure I'll never look like that, even if I did it. But I won't look like this if I did it. But listen, but there's a certain list. And here's the thing. Sometimes when we hear a message like this or a point like this, and we say, oh, I should be more loving. And here's the thing. Sometimes we want to start making a list. What can I do to be more loving? I can make the bed. I can do the dishes. Mow the grass without being asked. Put the toilet seat down. What else could I do, right? And we make a list, and we want to go home, and we want to say, okay, I'm going to be more loving. And we want to start checking things off the list. Jim Strong. Or, I might suggest that we could be more loving, we can grow in our love by simply being intentional about the way that we do life at home. That when the opportunity comes up for us to choose to be loving instead of choose to be selfish, that we choose to be loving instead. Just as the opportunities come up. Because in family those opportunities are going to come up all the time. In fact, um, this summer, uh, uh, Ange and I will have been married uh, 28 years. And I know, good job, Ange. 
Uh, so, no, I, I, no, I know, I know how it works. Good job, Ange. So here's the thing. When I first got married, we were between our sophomore and junior years in college. And when we first got married, I really, honestly, did not know that I was selfish. I, I really didn't. Like, I did not see that about myself. I'm just like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of good looking. I'm a little squidgy in the middle, and I'm funny. But I mean, other than that, like, I didn't, selfish wasn't on my list, right? When I got married, I discovered that I'm selfish. She didn't have to tell me. I noticed it because I kind of wanted everything my way. In fact, in those early years, I kind of pouted if I didn't get my way. And it was really disturbing to me. And yes, she's a saint, okay? So just publicly, thank you for putting up with me and thanks for not giving up, with, uh, up on me, right? So we had been married for five years when our first, um, when Carol was born, our first child. And I'll just say that I felt like I had made tremendous progress in five years. Like I didn't pout as much, still selfish from time to time, but I tried to reserve it for only days that ended in Y. And so I felt like I had made progress until I had kids. And then when my kids came along, then I realized I'm still selfish. Because have you noticed kids are loud at all the wrong times? Have you noticed that? Like they're loud like during the game? Like, ah, not right now. There are commercials all through this. Be loud right then. You know, you know what I'm saying? Or when I'm trying to sleep, like, ah, not right now. Can you wait? Like, we need that little chart like the energy company gives us. Like, you can be loud during these times. These are peak times. And then the other time, zip it. Like, when I'm trying to sleep. You know what I mean? Like, um, ah, like really, could you please just do that in your diaper when it's convenient? You know what I mean? You see what I'm saying? So I did not realize that I was selfish until God put me inside the laboratory of family. And then he began to reveal it to me. It's not because my wife and my kids had to tell me. It's because I had opportunity to love and I chose me. And it looked ugly. So what I'm suggesting is that we can grow in our love by allowing God to do his work in us first. As God begins to, to change us and teach us and grow us and mold us through the challenges and the support of our family, then we have, in the midst of that, we have the opportunity to demonstrate to our family what God's love looks like. Farmstrong. It's just everyday life. But we grow when we make those choices moment by moment to love instead of being selfish. Here's the last suggestion as we're talking about family discipleship, and that is to develop a conversational faith at home. Develop a conversational faith at home. What I mean by that is, can we please just make faith conversations normal? Not weird, not stuffy, not rigid, just normal. Like we talk about everything else. Just normal. 
Can we just make faith conversations normal at home? Develop a conversational faith. Look at Deuteronomy 6. Look at verses 7, 8, and 9. It says, now, impress them on your children. What are we talking about? Back up to 6. These commands that I give you today, commands, we carry that forward to verse 7. Impress them, commands, God's word, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, and write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Guys, it's just life. And Moses is giving us this formula. He's saying, you can plant seeds of faith in the lives of your kids by just making faith a normal part of life at home. When you get up, when you sit together, when you're running errands together, when you go to bed. It's just normal life with intentionality. When we love God with all we've got, and when we fill our days with the things that stir us towards Jesus, our lives are going to begin to overflow with a love and then a communication about what he's doing in us. I want to I land the plane this morning with some practical things. Kids, if you're asleep, wake up because this is the part that I'm going to talk to you as well. Listen, now here are some practicals. How might that, that conversational faith, how might that show up in your own house? Here are some suggestions, some things that I thought of today, some things that have been true in our family as well. The first one is to ask your spouse and your kids what they're reading and what they're learning from God's Word. This is what I mean, like just make it normal because that might be a weird question in your household right now. That's okay. It won't be weird after you've asked it like 10, 15, 20 times. And I don't mean in a row, because that's, that's a little weird. But I mean, just ask the question. Hey, what are you reading right now? Like, what have you been reading in God's Word? Hey, what, what have you been learning? Like, what's God been teaching you? Just ask the question. In fact, find the weirdest, most inopportune time to ask it. That's really fun. Like, just catch them off guard. Like, what? I was making eggs. What, what do you mean? What am I learning about? What? But just ask the question, okay? Now, here's a couple of things that's going to happen. First of all, it's going to presume and encourage the people in your family to be reading God's Word. Like, I'm presuming that you're reading God's Word, so I'm going to ask, what have you been learning, right? Or what have you been reading? But here's the other thing, neat little side effect, is it also provides some accountability to you, because in my experience, I hesitate to ask that question if I haven't been reading and learning something. Because I know what the next question is going to be. What have you been reading and learning? So I'm not asking that question if I don't have an answer. Right? It's great accountability. Kids, here you go. Here's your part. Here's your part in this. And that is, be the first one to ask the question. You ask mom and dad, hey, what have you been reading in God's Word? What, what have you been learning? What's God been teaching you? Now, you can ask that after a Sunday morning. They're sitting in here, they're listening, or supposed to be listening, or they're checking the scores, right? But they're supposed to be listening. What did God teach you at church today? Right? 
You be the first one to ask. You start the conversation. That is fabulous. Parents, buckle up because it's going to be uncomfortable. Both of my kids have done this to me. In fact, they do it regularly to me. And they ask me, what have you been reading? Or what have you, what have you been learning? What's God been teaching you? <sighs> Did I say kids ask me questions at the most inopportune times? Right? When I least expect it. Whew. But it's good. It's a good indication to us that faith conversations are normal because they don't hesitate to ask just when it comes up. It's really sweet. Okay, here's the second practical suggestion for you. Talk about times when God shows up. Talk about times when God shows up. This means that we have to kind of have our eyes open looking for times when God answers prayers or when God acts on our behalf or uh, when God does something um, amazing in our life, right? Or just short of amazing in our life. But God shows up. And man, we want to talk about that. So you can do that a couple of ways. Uh, at uh, at mealtime when you're eating together, talk about highs and lows of the day. What was the best part of the day? What was the biggest challenge of the day? And you can talk about that. Or you ask the specific question, where did you see God show up today? Or how did you hear God speak to you today? Ask the question. Now, kids, here's your part on this one. Don't mumble, but engage in the conversation. That means that you cannot give the answer, I don't know. Well, you sit there until you have an answer, right? Listen now, engage in the conversation. Those of you guys who are in high school and college and you're sitting in here today, listen to me. Help your moms and dads and dang it, help yourself by asking these kinds of questions. Engage in the conversation. Your life will be better. And you'll help mom and dad do, uh, fulfill their commission. It's huge. You don't get too old for this. You don't get too old. Until you don't have parents around, ask your parents what the heck they're learning and how they saw God show up. Learn something. Because God's doing something in their life, and dang it, you want to hear it. Ask. All right, here's the next uh, practical, right? How can, we, how can we make faith conversations at home just normal and natural? Here's another one. Connect nature to the reality of God's character. Now, if we think about doing this with little kids, but we can do it all the time. But as we're in this beautiful setting and we begin to see what God has created and we can learn so much about God's character and his nature by what he's created. But as we begin to talk about that and think about that and we begin to discuss that, now things that are just out here that everybody can see takes on special significance because we're connecting it with God the Father. God is beautiful. God is creative. Look at the the variety of the things that God has made. He is ordered. He is trustworthy. The sun comes up every day. That's trustworthy. You know what? God causes that to happen. He says that everything was created in Christ and held together by Christ, and it is the truth that sun comes up every day. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And God is caring Jesus says, the birds of the air have a place to live and the flowers of the field, look how God has dressed them. And if he'll take care of those things, if he cares about the details for those things that die quickly, how much more does he care about 
the details of our life, but we see it in nature. And when we see those birds or we see those beautiful flowers in the spring and in the summer, we can, we can draw our kids' attention to who God is. Here's the next one. Sing together or sing alone. Now, listen, everybody can sing. Not everybody can sing. You know what I mean? So you may want to sing alone. That's okay. But the point is, allow your hearts to be stirred towards Jesus. I'm going to put two resources up on the screen. And I've talked about the first one before. Seeds Family Worship is a great, we've used that for years. We've handed it out around here. It's really, really cool. It's God's word put to music, really good music. This is in bad music. This is really good stuff. But then a new one that I've run across just recently, and we're really, really enjoying it, called Doorpost Songs. Same kind of thing. God's word put to really excellent music. It's really super. I have heard story after story after story from parents here at Rimrock that say when we get into the car, that is the thing that our kids want to listen to. We put the CD in or we dial it up on uh, Spotify or whatever and we listen to it in the car over and over and over and over. And guess what? We're feeding on God's word and, and faith conversations come up naturally. It's a beautiful thing. Here's the last suggestion, the last practical. And that is that we create a sense of anticipation about going to church. We create a sense of anticipation about going to church. This might mean that on Thursday, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we start talking to our kids, hey, we get to go to church on Sunday. It's going to be great. It's going to be so cool. I'm so excited. We're going to church on Sunday. We're going to church on Sunday. We start talking about it. It means on Saturday, we start laying out kids' clothes. What, what do you want to wear to church? Let's think ahead on it. What, what, let's check the weather. What, what, do, what do you want to wear for church? Lay those clothes out. Oh, let's get our offering. Let's gather up our offering. Let's put it in a baggie. Let's put it with our clothes. We want to be prepared. Let's get ready for church. Oh, let's find our Bible. Let's set it out. We want to make sure that we know where it is because we're going to take that to church. We're going to need it because we learned God's word. And so we're going to, let's look forward. Let's create a sense of anticipation about coming together with a group of believers, worshiping God. And in the midst of that, what are we doing? We're making faith a normal part of our family. Kids, here's your part. Here's your part on this. Before you come to church, I want you to think ahead. I want you to dream about. I want you to wonder about. I want you to begin praying about this question. Are you ready? Here it comes. Boom. I want you to consider how will God use you to encourage someone at church? When you come to church, it is not about what do I get. And that's not just a statement to kids, folks. When you come to church, it is not just what do I get. When you come to church, it's about how will God use me to encourage someone else who's there. And guess what? If you're not here, you can't be used that way. Kids, I want you to consider how will God use me to encourage someone else at church this week. Last story. On Wednesday night, 
I spent an hour and a half with nine preschool kids. And it, seven of them were boys. Oh, my chest gets just a little tight. <sighs> Listen. In an hour and a half, God confirmed some of my spiritual gifts, and then he confirmed what some of them weren't. Um, but here was the super sweet thing. Here was the super sweet thing. We got to the end of the night, and I'm pretty sure that as the parents got ready to pick up that they made a line down the hallway where I couldn't see them, and they, like, one at a time. They, they came and picked up one at a time. I don't know if that was a strategy or what that was exactly, but one at a time, the parents would come to the door, and these nine kids, I, I kid you not, so sweet. The first mom showed up at the door, and I called the kid's name, and the kid's like, oh, Mom, and then went to every kid in the room. Bye. See you later. Bye. 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 See you later. Every kid. Then they got their stuff and they left. And the next mom came and the next kid. Bye. See you later. Listen to me. It has got to be one of the best things that I've seen in children's ministry in a long, long, long time. If we can create a sense of anticipation for our kids that I get to go to church. Because let me tell you, at least for those nine kids, well, not that last kid because he was by himself, but all those other kids, listen, all those other kids, that was their community. I'm sad to go. Goodbye. 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 We have an incredible gift to come and worship together as a body of Christ. And we can stir that in our kids with a sense of anticipation that the day's coming. We get to go. It's so sweet. Let me pray for you guys. God, thank you for today. Thank you for what you're teaching us. Thank you for the call and the commission that you've put on us to pass our faith to the next generation, to pass our faith to our kids, beginning in our own home to disciple those that are closest to us. And Father, I'm just praying that... Uh, you would, um, that you would stir our hearts with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would work in us, enable us to love. Father, that our life would overflow because of the work you're doing in us, that it would overflow into our kids and into our spouse, into our closest relationships. And Father, 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 please, Father, would you help us to just be able to talk about our faith and our relationship with you as just a normal, regular part of life because of the incredible things that you're doing in us. Help us to not be able to contain it or hide it or ignore it, 
but because of the changes that you're making in us, we would want to share it with other people. We love you. We ask you for those things today. And we know that you'll say yes because it's what you want as well. Amen.